Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the hosts of this show. I am here with my series co-host, Alyssa Catanzaro. Yeah. <laughs> and then our producer, Nathan Yoder. Um, he is here with us. We are here with Mike Weston from His Branches. We are in a brand new series. Um, why would I volunteer? And then fill in the blank. And today, why would I volunteer at a medical nonprofit? Alyssa, what do you think about this topic? I'm very excited. I am actually, my family is medical. Like I have doctors and nurses in my family, but I am not medical at all. So I'm interested in what a medical nonprofit does. (laughs) That's right. Well, and I, I think the reason we're doing this series is because we realize that for us to use our gifts, but also I think of our current climate, you know, for us to begin to look for ways to serve, there's something that happens when we go from not just listening and learning, Mm -hmm. but actually doing something, it just changes our perspective. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. And Alyssa, like you, before I started this job, I also knew nothing about medicine. So it's definitely a new game new game for me. So yeah, it's been cool. a lot of fun though. Well, speaking of which, let's talk about, you know, how did you come to his branches and kinda why don't you share with everybody your role? Yeah, absolutely. So I came to his branches about two years ago. Um, prior to that I was working at a local church here in town. Uh, we made a transition out of that local church and we were looking for something to do uh, here in Rochester, something that put together my passion for racial reconciliation, something that emphasized the gospel. And um I have a friend who's a doctor, one of our best friends, a doctor here in town, and uh, he has another friend who, are, who was a doctor and said, man, we need some help. You know, we need to have someone that has some leadership experience. We need someone that has some medical experience. So together, one of my best friends and I, uh, we went down and decided like, hey, we're going to help uh, lead this organization out of trouble. We're going to try to help make sure that we emphasize racial reconciliation in all we do and say. And so that kind of started the process. So I started as the center administrator. Um, in June of 2019, mm-hmm. uh, was doing the job for about a year and a half, and uh, our executive director retired. And so they said we called all over the country, couldn't find anyone, step in and take the place. <laughs> so that became executive director in October. So cool. it's been a great run so far, and love working with our team. Wow. Well, before we kind of get into it, you said a lot there that we're going to, Alyssa and I are going to follow up <laughs> with. But, um, <laughs> You know, what does His Branches actually do to serve the community? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So His Branches, um, obviously very biblical term. It comes from the idea of John chapter 15, um, where if we abide in Christ, he's going to abide in us. So, And then the branches, at one point we had three different parts of our organization. Uh, we did medical care, we did wellness, and we did community development. So we're kind of down to two branches at now. So we prioritize medical care. Uh, we're a primary care facility. We also do OB care prenatal deliveries. Um, we do pediatrics and we do basically from the beginning of life, preborn all the way to end of life. We take care of everyone. Cool. Uh, we just started a behavioral health program. Um, so we've been able to get that program started. So we have an LMSW, uh, we're working in mental health. So that's been a big part of what we're, st- have been trying to do. And we're finally able to kick it off. And then, um, and we do spiritual care. Like we think it's important to have all of our body Um, in tune with what's happening. So we try not to have spiritual or medical malpractice. We try to make sure we prioritize the whole person um, as we send people on their way. Uh, We also work with education. We we partner with Foodlink. We do some awesome nutritional classes Mm -hmm. with them. 
Uh, and then we do hypertension classes. So if we identify a specific problem in our community, we go after it and address it. Um, so we're able to do education courses and then um, even community development. So we not only try to create goodwill for those who are already in our community with our, um, we do bike rodeos every year, how to teach people how to ride bikes, how to fix bikes. Mm. Uh, we work with the local organizations on creating goodwill and then also to move people from housing if, if they have bad housing or don't have an insurance or don't have a job. We try to help them take whatever step they need to take in order to become a better person physically, spiritually, all around holistically. Awesome. <laughs> so we don't have much to do. You know, it's pretty slow days. Yeah. No one comes around. You You're know, so there's not bored. much to do. Oh <laughs> uh, well, let me kind of come back to this. So, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this series is you mentioned racial reconciliation. Yeah. And uh, number one, I'd love to hear how your organization does that. But I'd also kind of like to hear. I mean, the three of us here are white. Right. And I think Alyssa and I have kind of stumbled on this series because it's. How do, you, how do you talk about this? I want to go serve. I want to make a difference. But I don't want to come in like I have all the answers. Right. So, I don't know. Share a little bit with that. Well, yeah, that's a, there's a thousand different ways to go with that question, right? <laughs> so, let's see if we can get one or two directions on that. Um, so, for me, racial reconciliation started with my best one of my best friends from seminary. And so, he started to say, hey, there's a problem with churches in America, and there's a problem with culture in America. So I started to learn. And this is all Thomas Anderson. He's a pastor in Spokane, Washington. Um, he ruined my life. He wrecked everything, all my viewpoints. And so uh, working with him, reading with him, and learning with him, it really became to see, like, this is, this is a major issue. Um, and in the city of Rochester, right, like, it's been a really tough year. Mm -hmm. um, but kind of before then, we've always said, there may not be the presence of conflict, but there certainly felt like the absence of peace. Mm. You know, so like it was just like something is waiting underneath the surface to explode. And then with like the Daniel Prude case, whatever your opinions are on any of that, that definitely brought that to the sur that brought it to the surface and explosions came up. So as an organization, what we try to do in order to emphasize racial reconciliation is our staff is pretty split right now. It's about 40 percent. Um, black and brown employees, and then about 60% white employees. Mm. Um, that's something that has been traditional organization. We've been around for like 40 years. So that's been an wow. emphasis of our organization for a long time. Mm. Um, we're not perfect at that. So if I look at our staff and I, and I say, wow, there's too many people who are white at the top of the, of the organization. And so we're trying to change that by the way we hire. Like so, and the same is true with our doctors and nurses to try to make sure that we have representatives of our community there because it not only helps them become trusting um, and willing to share their stories in the practice, but then it also shows our community that we also take it seriously. Mm -hmm. So our board reflects certainly uh, minorities. We're 60% black and brown on our board. Um, so our board definitely has that, that um, makeup. And so we're trying to make sure that what we do as a staff has that same reflection. So mm -hmm. we try to model that in our organization so that we're set up to help our patients best as possible. But then you came to the next question about volunteering, right? So listen, learn, what do I do next? I think too often those of us who have been in the suburbs are like, we need to come and save or create mm -hmm. our whole new thing. But there's so many awesome organizations in the city already doing work that some of them need money. Some of them just need bodies to help mm -hmm. work, work and be a part of it. And we've all volunteered in churches or lead volunteer organizations. Things work well so often 
and we expect every organization in town to function seamlessly, but people like in our communities and organizations, we need to be much more grace-filled to allow that volunteer experience not to be perfect and the script isn't gonna be perfectly followed mm. in order to have <laughs> messy conversations for us to better reflect the body of Christ. Mm. What does that look like? Like what does volunteering look like or mean to you as a as a guy, but also as uh, a his branches right. representative? Yeah, that's great. Um, so for us, you know, volunteering is again using our skills and passions for the good of another. You know, ultimately the good that you give out, not in a karma way, but as you use your skills, like we become better people. Right? We have hard conversations. We become sharper in our practicing, our thinking. We begin to look more like Christ, give more grace. And, and in our organization, like I, I'll talk about uh, John chapter 12, unless a kernel of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it's going to remain a single seed. So like we have to give up ourselves in order to experience like greater growth in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So for some of the volunteers that come through his branches, you know, you, you don't have to love medicine in order to volunteer. Um, you don't have to love medicine to be the executive you director. Don't to, <laughs> you don't have to know anything about medicine <laughs> to be the ex- executive director. And in a lot of ways, that's helpful. But, um, you know, we have projects all the time. Like if you think of um, any organization, there's a ton of administration help that needs mm-hmm. to be done on a regular basis. So, you know, like I think in our basement, we're 40, we've been around 40 years. There's 40 years of records in the basement, you know. So I don't know everything there is to know about record keeping. But I know we have to keep some of those for a certain amount of time. So, you know. Man, we need people who love records and record keeping to come in and throw and shred stuff away and then, you know, help organize, you know, the years that we need to keep. So there's administration work. You know, there's people who, um, you know, one of our best friends comes in and takes care of all the branding for me. So she's currently working on a website with us. We're working with St. John Fisher on a website. Um, She's painted murals on the wall. Uh, She's painting all the rooms. So there's a variety of things that you can do without even having any knowledge about medicine. Of that. Yeah. So, um, c- just kind of, because Alyssa and I have talked about this, and I, I'm just kind of even thinking about with you, I think sometimes I feel like there's this weird tension, and, and Alyssa, help me out here too. There's, I have to volunteer in something that I'm really good at or I'm professional at. Right. And th- then there's another tension with that. Well, I'm not getting paid for that. Like, there's, right. a, and then there's, I'm just available. Like, and I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I mean, because that's kind of one of our struggles even with bring because people are like so overwhelmed. What right. I, yeah. yeah. I think people like to use their skills because they're they're good at it. Right. So there's, yeah, the willingness. I'm available. I want to help. But they want to be actually helpful. So right. To use your skills is something. But yeah, to recognize them. Um, yeah. So I think like with a with a medical mind that's kind of easier to be like i'm good at this right. like i know what i'm yeah, doing right, right, <laughs> i've been trained right, for it right absolutely um but yeah but there are tons of people i volunteer for a nonprofit that is music and worship based that's awesome. and i am not musical at all so i'm i'm one of the administrative people right. on the yeah. side but that's like sure yeah there's so many opportunities for people and you just have to I don't know, be willing to just get plugged in. Yeah. Well, I guess, how do you navigate that tension? It's certainly, there's certainly no right answer, right? But there's a lot of wrong answers. (laughs) Uh, And and even everyone, like, right, people who express interest. We currently have two volunteer um, PAs who are, like, on our team. 
So if 10 PAs called me today, yeah, hey, sorry, I don't have that. I don't have enough money to make sure that you're all have malpractice and I don't have enough patience to see 10 new PAs that come into our practice. Wait, wait, hold on a second. So like even if someone wants to do something for free, you have to pay insurance on them? Is that what you're saying? Correct. So like, I mean, that's the medical world. So like, so the two physician's assistant we currently have. So they're connected to a church where one of our locations is in um, the Gerhardt Neighborhood Outreach Center, which is connected to Joy Community Church. Mm -hmm. And so they're connected with that church. They come in and they volunteer for us about four to eight hours a month. They do acute visits for us. And then they also help us with our COVID uh, vaccination location. So, Mm -hmm. um, and COVID testing. So they provide that people drive up, you know, they test them and then they get on their way. So by them volunteering, it allows our team to do what our team does to see patients regularly. Mm -hmm. But then their hours allow us to provide needs to our community that we wouldn't otherwise be able to meet the needs of. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome that they are do that. But again, if 12 doctors were like, we need to do this right now, I can't necessarily help everybody. And it'd be great too. Um, it just doesn't work that way. Or even we have certain restrictions that um, we can't just do whatever practice we want. But for a while we had a, a, an ENT specialist who came down and, and once a month came in and provided ENT care. And we were able to help patients for who can't get to ENTs in other locations. Mm-hmm. So Sometimes it works, and that's the, the part of the process is every time you volunteer, it's like this combination of beauty and agony. Mm-hmm. And it's like you have to get through the ugly in order to experience the joy, and it, it's yeah. really helpful, but it's it's never perfect as much as we all want it mm-hmm. to be. Uh, well, and I guess I'm kind of curious because in, in 2020 and 2021, right. you know, why is it important for people to get outside their circles? And I guess for you – what does volunteering in a medical nonprofit teach me that I don't know? Right. Yeah, I think I think when Jesus um, I think too often when we hear Jesus talk about healing the sick and being a part of that ministry, we think we're the ones that have something to offer. We almost view ourselves as Jesus in that story <laughs> instead of saying, first of all, no, I'm the sick person. Mm-hmm. And then it's because I recognize myself as sick that I can now, in a sense, go and, and help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, and it's not even, right, there's the paternalistic sense of I'm here to serve you and I'm here to teach you everything, right, that is certainly not helpful. Um, but if we never cross that barrier to work with other people who are different than us, who think differently, who look differently, who act differently. Like we're never gonna be in relationships that we need to have that ultimately um, exemplify and expand the kingdom of God around us. So uh, yeah, it's certainly uh, uh, an interesting tension, an interesting balance of, I know a lot of things, I'm available, and this is what I can do. Mm. So, um you know, even from Alyssa's perspective, I mean, we've talked about serving just a lot, um, just feeling out how important it is. You know, I guess I'm kind of curious. We talk about racism and just this, what in the medical system is it that like, you know, you see on your end? Because again, you're, you're talking about representative and right. stuff. and. You know, so I, I guess I'm just kind of curious on that level. Yeah. So and if you think about it, so it, a, a typical doctor gives a lot of information mm-hmm. to individuals. And sometimes if I walk into my doctor, you, you know, I'm someone that has a master's degree. 
I own a house. Life has been pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. And still, sometimes my doctor speaks to me and I'm just like, wow, you're so smart. Like, <laughs> I could never do these things. I'll never figure this out. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's being able to communicate with people in a way they understand to make sure that there's um, not a lack of intelligence, but of just, hey, I'm a doctor. In, in order to confer dignity on you, I need to make sure mm-hmm. that I'm using language that is a normal, everyday human language. So even just like that step of like speaking to you is great. Right. I do think there's, um, we're starting to work through trauma-informed care so that everyone has something in their background and some people have greater uh, trauma than others. Uh, and a lot of times that keeps people from being able to have help. Mm-hmm. So if someone has an issue that they can't get through, it may not even be that that body part is still hurt, but again, it's that emotional and spiritual connection that's still broken. So if our providers are only thinking through the process of, oh great, well, nothing ever bad has happened to me, they're not gonna be able to empathize with someone else in a way that sees like, I see your hurt, I'm listening for that, and then I can help you through that, again, connecting spiritually and emotionally. And then all of us, again, are just comfortable sometimes where there's people who look like you or who express care. So the more that we have a staff that looks like the people in our community mm-hmm. where you know our our panel is made up of about 60% black and brown individuals um, if we're not paying attention to that it, we're never going to be able to cross that gap so that even if we try to reach out and care you know people are just going to view us as someone who's a savior so by mm-hmm. mixing up that diversity it allows conversations to happen in such a way that people feel comfortable to get health, to get spiritual health, and then ultimately be able to like go out and do better than they would have before. Mm. Mm. Man, that that's a that's and a access. lot. I'm going to interrupt her again. Oh no, no, and please. Access. So let's go back to it as well. And we think there's mm-hmm. the access to to um, to healthcare, right? So mm-hmm. we are in an organization. We're in the 19th ward, right? So 19th ward is one of the most econ- economically and ethnically diverse communities in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Like so, Brighton. That kind of Brighton area is one, and then the 19th Ward is the other. And so there's little access to food, to nutrition, um, and, and to healthcare in the 19th Ward. And so by us being where we are, we're able to serve those who may not be able to just jump in their car and drive all over town, but people get walk to our neighborhood clinic, they drive, uh, they hop on the bus at times and get to us. So even where we're positioned is positioned where people need healthcare, not just where it's like, wow, we're surrounded by the University of Rochester system and Rochester Regional, but those groups can be so far away from where Mm -hmm. we are that people who live in those neighborhoods can't even get there. So our proximity alone allows our neighbors to connect with the healthcare they need. How do people find you or know you in the neighborhood? So they don't. No, (laughs) No, so they, yeah, so absolutely. So, um, so we're next to one of the best restaurants in Rochester, the Arnett Cafe. So that's oh, nice. certainly, if anyone's <laughs> like, where are you? I'm like, listen, Norm and the Arnett Cafe, we're right next door to them. <laughs> so that's certainly my favorite landmark to point mm-hmm. to. Um, but outside of that, you know, people can find us. Um, we try to hang flyers like around our community. Okay. We try to be partners with the churches in our community. So those are like the two ways people first come into us. Mm-hmm. And then uh, ultimately it's, it's word of mouth. Yeah. So friends telling friends that this is where we're part of. So. We just got a new sign on our building. We try to upgrade that kind of stuff. So we're more of a presence, mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately, you know, is creating raving fans that drives people to our location. You know, it, it must be really frustrating when you're talking with people and like somebody sits there and says, you know, you know what we should do? Like, we should just start a medical clinic, <laughs> you know, dad. <laughs> so, you, yeah. know, you know, I guess for our listener and 
many of our listeners live in Rochester. Right. But I'm sure that if you're listening from Portland, Oregon to Chicago, there's probably some type of his branches. Oh, yeah. So how do you, I mean, how do you look, I mean, is it just Google or? Yeah, so there's two basic, so as as a medical clinic, there's two main groups that we're a part of. One is called uh, CCHF. Uh, and CCHF is this conglomeration, a network of Christian health centers across the country. So, you know, I think of um, like Pastor Job Brooks at Lawndale is one. He's written, recently written some great books about um, uh, about caring for your neighborhood. Uh, Good Samaritan in Atlanta. Uh, I have a book with me today, How Neighborhoods Make Us Sick. Uh, they have they have an awesome health center. So there's there's groups like them that are across the country that you could like go in and do CCHF and you can see. These are people who do like what we do, a, a faith-based medical clinic around the country. Then the other group that we're a part of is it's called uh, an FQHC. It's a federally qualified health center. You know, they make sure that we're doing the work that we're supposed to do in hopes that they. Um, so most of our patients, again, 60% of our patients are on Medicaid or Medicare. So Medicaid and Medicare don't always pay like private insurances do. So we typically get less. So the point of FQHC is to be able to help subsidize the payment that we don't get from the government. So if you work for the government, I'm sorry, thank you for all you do, <laughs> but we still need additional help, and so that group helps us. Mm. Uh, and so FQHCs, some of those groups that are in CCHF are also FQHCs who are designed to provide uh, medical care to those who are underserved, like 19th Ward, where there's not hospitals around, those who are um, uninsured, if you don't have any insurance, um, and then those who are basically publicly insured, Medicare and Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So whether someone has the ability to pay for services or not, we are there to provide needs so that they can provide health regardless of an ability to pay. So FQHC, mm -hmm. Federally Qualified Health Center, and then also CCHF are like organizations that if you're like, where does this exist in my town? Look for those two groups and you'll be able to find one. So you're, you're bringing up a lot <laughs> and I love this because I, I think even if you're not passionate about med or you right. volunteer, so, so we talk about dignity of people and, you know, Alyssa, we talk about when helping hurts. Oh yeah. <laughs> Big book. Yeah. So how do you manage the tension of like, we want you to pay for a little bit of this, but we realize like you can't Yeah. and we don't want, like, there's a whole kind of conversation. And then also, you know, this seems fairly easier to me, like at least in America right, right. now, but like hey, we're going to try to hire a contractor that's local, but we, yeah, I mean, just, there's a right. ton of the, I mean, how do you, how are you walking through this? Yeah, so, life? man, that's a great question. So, like, the helping without hurting idea, it's, we, so we do it in a variety of ways. So, one thing that we do is called a sliding scale fee, mm -hmm. where people can take their, um, they can take their financial statements, they can bring them to us and say, like, hey, this is how much I make a year, and so we're allowed to basically create a scale where they say, like, okay, you can't pay 100% of your copay, you know, but basically it's divided up to like, okay, you can pay 75% based on your earnings or 50 or 25% or, you know, even if it's like, wow, like you can't pay anything, but you can do a buck. Mm -hmm. So we try to set it up where based on, you know, based on what you make, you can get a reduction in the price. And then the other piece of that is, you know, we do say, how do we help without hurting? You know, to say like, give it away free, like mm -hmm. that doesn't help anybody, right? right? But we do try to say like, get us something. And some places do better at this than other community health centers like us. But, mm -hmm. you know, so for us, there's sometimes it's like, okay, you know, we need a dollar today or $5 today. Um, 
we don't send people to collections. People are like, you guys can make a ton of money in collections if you just get all this stuff turned in. But it's kind of like that hurts the people mm -hmm. that we're trying to. So we want them to be responsible, mm -hmm. but that's why we try to work with them to like, okay, if you can't pay a $500 bill, like let's work with you to set up a payment system so that if w we get 20 bucks over you know a year and a half, we're gonna wipe the rest of that off. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know my math. I may I need to go higher. I may need to do a thousand. So whatever that number is, <laughs> I don't do the billing. But we try to set up payments so that people that are doing their best mm -hmm. to provide payment while also not breaking their bank because we know they need that money for food. Right. So we know health is also a part of that, but food is also a part. So mm -hmm. it's certainly this this tension of, you know, sometimes we have to be a little more aggressive for some people who have abused that system right. than we are with others who are the first time in. So mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. sometimes we even do uh we do a deal where we um, work with people for a 30 day exemption. So if someone comes in and you know, they've just gotten a divorce or they've their house, we've had people like house burned down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like we're not going to charge you for anything for 30 days, mm -hmm. but then at the end of that 30 days, when you have stuff figured out, we're going to go back to charging. So yeah. we try to work with people as much as possible while also saying like you did do, are getting a service from us. So we need to figure out some kind of way to pay because we do pay our doctors. Our doctors mm -hmm. don't work for free. They're great people, but right. You know, they still have to get to work. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, let me just uh, think about this for a little bit. I, I guess, you know, as I'm hearing you talk, like you must have like a huge story about a volunteer or something like that. Or, you know, why don't you share that story with us? Yeah. Yeah, it could take a number of them. I, I mean, I mentioned earlier the family that's the PAs, like the husband and wife that newly married coming in investing in us that's a huge deal for us to be able to continue to meet needs mm -hmm. um again one of my friends that's doing all the branding for us like that's that's tens of thousands of dollars of expenses that we've gotten for free out of the goodwill of her heart and the bummer for her is people want her to do more stuff for free and i'm like no don't talk to her because <laughs> i'm using her for free <laughs> so I mean, so she's a good friend she's really talented and she's doing that for us but then you know, other people want it. So even if you volunteer and then other people find out you volunteer, you know, people want you. So, right. so that's certainly hard. So I think all that branding is coming through for us and it's really helpful. It's driving people who are seeing us and getting attention and paying and paying more attention to us. So like that's added value to us and added patience to us because we look a whole lot better than we are. And, and we're trying to like match the level of our care now with the, the branding and images that we have. So that's been the biggest one. So mm. that's a big deal for us. Mm. How can uh, how can people support your ministry or your work? Like, I'm I'm talking in a financial way, I guess. <laughs> we'll just be straight yeah, up. yeah, that's yeah. okay. No, we take cash. We take cash. <laughs> no, no, like really, but really. Alyssa, I love the way you ask that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. She's such a missions person. Yeah. She's like, well, hold on. I hey, where do you sign that check? <laughs> like, I just want to, you know, this is a helpful way to support. I think, obviously, there's the physical right. piece of like being a, a doctor or someone that can provide those medical needs and then there's the administrative pieces and the branding and all that but there's also like just your day-to-day -day right. stuff so there's tons of people out there that would definitely be interested in supporting you and what you're yeah. doing without like getting in the way yeah that, no that's a great question and so i mean if you went to our webpage today hisbranches.org you'd be able to see the donate button like in the top right hand corner and one of the things that we try to do is we try to match what people care about, you know, mm -hmm. with their money. So not everyone, right? So like there's four projects that we have up there right now. So 
COVID testing and COVID vaccination. That's that's not all free. You know, some of that stuff has come to us from the government to be helpful, um, but it costs us to run that program more than the money we're making from that. So if people are like, I really want people to be able to have COVID vaccinations and COVID testing, you know, they could jump online and they could donate money specifically toward that project. Okay, cool. If they really love facilities, you know, they could give money and they could say like, wow, you guys need a new roof. You know, you're trying to work on your roof getting fixed that you could give to that. Or if you're just like, if I want to help patients, if I want to meet the needs of patient bills, mm -hmm. there's a spot for our patient assistance fund. And then there's just general operating. So we always like all those other things are very helpful, but we also like to help pay people like right. in a way because the spiritual pieces that we do, insurances will pay for all the medical care we do. But when we take time to pray and ask mm -hmm. questions like that, doesn't come back to reimbursement. Mm -hmm. And again, we don't expect it to, but if someone's like, wow, I love what this group is doing in order to create medical and spiritual care in the community, like we can't put a price tag on that to mm -hmm. say, you know, dear Excellus, you know, please pay us for, you know, the prayer that we had. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I want to ask this to both, because I don't deal with this dynamic. Like is, is giving money support serving or is that, because like there's some people, I mean, love them to death they'd yeah. be terrible volunteers but like they're great at checks right. you know and so i don't know i mean i want to hear from mike but Alyssa. yeah i want to hear Alyssa first yeah, 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 yeah. Her go first. i want to hear what like, she says like like is it i mean because i think there's some people that's their spiritual yeah. gift right you know and but i'm kind of even conflicted because it's like hey if i if i just pay for this am i just kind of saying i'm dismissing it but right. like i don't know Alyssa. yeah i think um I don't think it's a dismissal because you're letting it happen. And right. there's people that know what they're doing or pretend like they know what they're doing, but right. um, they are, they're doing the work already and you're giving them a way to continue that work or do something, you know, even more creative or something that's different um, with the funds that come in. So that's something that like, if you, if people are not giving, then it's like, okay, well, now we're going to do as much as we can until we can't. And that's either like in a financial way or just in like a burnt out way. Like you're just going to push yourself so hard if you don't have right. that like other piece of like, okay, there's money coming in, which means we can like do more or we can hire another person that, right. you know, takes the pressure away from this other person. So yeah, I think there's a lot of well, obviously, there's a lot of benefits if you were to give money towards an actual um, organization. And I think as a giver, like you are supporting that organization or that individual. So like with missions, at least, um, obviously, it's tough. And if you're living, you know, in a foreign country or whatever, like that's lonely and isolating but then to know that you have people on the other side of the world that's you know investing in you financially but also just like encouraging you um through prayer or yeah. through you know just reaching out on facebook something something that's like you have people that are behind you pushing you forward and that's just super encouraging as you you know just do yeah. the work that you're called to do yeah yeah i certainly agree it's nice to have that those financial Gifts certainly feel like people are in your corner and cheerleading. Yeah. Um, and I do. It is nice when those checks come in that people are like serving in that way. I do think that it's serving. But I, listen, it's nice to have 
the financial reimbursements from people to say, here's our money. But right, ultimately, anyone in a nonprofit wants the hearts of people, mm -hmm. right? So like when someone gives money, it's like, great, but like, I want to know you. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't wanna know right. like your check or your account number, like I wanna know you. So then it's sometimes it's, okay, how do I connect with that person in a way that shows that I'm giving value back to you as well as doing good with the value that you're providing, you know, through our team. So like I try to give like books to I'm a I'm such a book nerd. I'm an Enneagram five, right? So I mean I love to read. You got you got two Enneagram twos, so we just want to help you. Twos. You guys are so awesome. Of course, <laughs> podcast host, Enneagram two, making other people look good. There you go. Yeah. Um so you know, I try to do service back to people and try to, you know, reach out to them. Hey, how can I pray for you? How can, you know, I help you see our ministry more so that you can not give more, but so that you can see the work that your money is doing. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, and, and even those people, people who give a lot are typically those who can can make more. So I'm always thinking like, wow, how can we leverage you in our organization? You know, is it, it'd be great for you to come and be on our financial committee. Mm -hmm. It'd be great for you to help me think through a business plan. So even in those combinations of there's administrative work, but there's also, if, if you're good at, at sharing money, it probably means you're good at making money. <laughs> so leveraging people who can do that. Um, well, so again, coming back to Did that me, even did, come close to answer? Did no, we, no, 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 no. Did, did we get did, it? What, what I, grade did we get? Oh, no, you get a great grade. I, <laughs> I guess. An a. Yes, A. I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without being too controversial. But yeah. like, I think there's a, so any study that you do, credible study. Right. Christians give the most money. Right. You know, and I think that's a value, but. I also kind of think that that might be part of the problem where I can have this belief right. that's wrong because I'm invested. Right. And I don't know if it's as true with serving because, you know, I feel like with serving, I have to be there. I have to see everything that's coming up versus, right. hey, I wrote a check, right. so I know what I'm talking about. Right. And some of our best donors are those who – some of our best and biggest donors are those who like have volunteered with us at mm -hmm. some former capacity, you know, in the past. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think there's those who like, once you get involved, like, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is also, right. and you know, where your heart is, there your treasure is mm -hmm. going to be. So it's certainly true the reverse. So, um, we've seen that, that the more people are in and see, you know, the more they're able to jump back and give. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can pay your way out of service in some degree, <laughs> but not everywhere you give your money should be the place that you do serve. Right. Right. So I think that's the other part is some of those people are serving in some capacity, so they don't have to serve everywhere they give their money, mm. but it's important to serve somewhere. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, like that. I don't know. Do you agree with that? Or? Yeah, I do agree with that. I like that because yeah, I think a lot of the time, um, cause serving can come from a really good place, but sometimes you're just in the way. So right. I think there is like, if an organization doesn't need you in the physical piece of it, like that's okay. It's okay. It doesn't mean that they don't like you, but they right. just need you in a different way. And yeah. So. Right. And there's waves, right? There's times when you're like, well, I could use a hundred volunteers. <laughs> and then there's times where like, sorry, like, you know, I got nothing. Yeah. I have nothing for you to do right now. And I always, you know, people always talk about, you know, what would happen if, you know, a million dollars or a hundred volunteers would drop in your lap. And I'm like, well, I could spend a, a million dollars, but I, you know, I don't have a spot for hundred volunteers. Right. That's five times more than like our <laughs> current staff. But there's times when we run an event where it's like, yeah, it would be mm -hmm. awesome to have 30 volunteers today. Right. Mm. But that doesn't always work out in people's schedule. <laughs> well, and I, I think it's too important because I, even when I'm listening from both of you and this is super helpful, 
you might want to volunteer at an organization but there's just not a spot. So right. you and I actually connected. Yeah. There was someone in the medical field that wanted to do something super specific. Right. And they couldn't because right. of regulations. Right. Right. So, and that's the one where, so I worked with those people to say like, I can't do this. We can't get it approved, but let's find someone who can do this for you. So mm -hmm. at some point I'm glad to not, I don't need everyone for myself, but I'm glad to help network people to say like, okay, like well, if that's what you're interested in, mm -hmm. let's find an option. So, mm -hmm. I'm glad to always help people point people in the right direction. Yeah. Man. Well, hey, we're let's get to our last question. This has been great. This is Alyssa's first time co-hosting and she's killing what? it. No so, way. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, uh, you know, she's, she's, you know, it's tough with, you know, we're both Italian, but, you know, oh. my mom's main name's Pachano, so, you know. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're the cannoli. What's going on? What's going on with the cannoli? Where where are the cannoli? Oh. You guys are Italian. Oh. There's no sauce. There's no cannoli. You know what? So so here's the deal. Um, for our listeners, just had my second baby, Lucy. Yeah. Well, my wife delivered her. Yeah. I didn't. So we are getting fed wonderfully, mm. and I think I could use a little less cannolis. So, <laughs> Come on, I don't believe know. that. There's no such thing. So, but you know, uh, no the go. The, the rainbow colored cookies. What are those oh. things called? You're, you're Italian, right? I, they're um, like chocolate on the outside and they have like the layers of yeah, like yeah, color. Yeah, yeah. yeah I those know things are disgusting. I know. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I they're like, gross. I don't care how Italian you are. They're not yeah. good. What about the chalky cookies? Are the chalky cookies good? What are those? The ones that are like, I don't know, they like crumble, but they have like the hard frosting on the top that look, tastes oh, like toothpaste. Oh, those are good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no way. You so know, stick with tiramisu <laughs> and stick with cannoli. You got me. But as soon as you start going right. to like those things, you know, so for our wedding, I wanted to follow the Italian tradition, which you, you have a plate of um, cookies and you just take it to everyone. Oh yeah. Okay. And you greet them and, right. and my wife's like, I don't like Italian cookies. And Your I, wife's a good person. No. And, and, and she <laughs> is, she's wonderful. But she, and, uh, her one flaw, her one flaw. And, I went and I told one of the Italians here at Browncroft, and, yeah. and they go, you don't need that negativity in your life. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> coming back, medical cookies, so this awesome. is everything. Yeah. Um, so the last question we ask is, what does Jesus have to do with this topic? So mm. Alyssa and I are going to answer first. Okay. Um, so yeah, Alyssa, who do you want to go first? Do you want to go first? Or? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, now that I've learned a lot more about what you guys do um well when i was thinking when i was thinking about this question question approaching it uh, i was thinking about jesus touching the man with leprosy oh, yeah. and a big piece of what you were saying and just like after researching your website like dignity is so important yeah. and that yeah so just jesus you know reaches out, touches this man with leprosy, like total outcast, um, physically like sh probably shouldn't be touched by right. people. Um, and he, I just love it so much because Jesus obviously had the power to heal him without touching him, but he touched him anyway. Yeah. And that's something like that is just so important. Like, I mean, even now we're in the middle of a pandemic. We are not really supposed to be like uh, shaking hands or hugging or like we're, right. we miss that touch piece. Right. And that's just like a huge, a super important part about being a human. So right. as a person with leprosy that you'd be pushed all the way to the side, no one's like allowed to touch you, look at you, you'd leave your family. Like everything is taken away from you. Hmm. And Jesus 
pushes through all of that negativity and he like reaches out and touches you like that is just yeah just the full like you are seen completely by Jesus (laughs) and the dignity of you are a human being and I love like even the way that you like your the way that your staff is built like people of color white people but women you're and you're reaching all different medical needs for people that are just underrepresented and I just think that's so awesome like to see everybody as full people image of God like yeah just the dignity piece was that really stuck out to me I just think that that is just a true representation of you know Jesus and the way that he took care of people yeah Yeah, as I think about this question, I think about the Good Samaritan, and I think what I think about the Good Samaritan is this, is it's a medical story, but it also has two people that are complete enemies. So you can fill in the blank. Um, We can get really controversial here, but, you know, what I see is, and what I'm learning with his branches, with what Alyssa said about dignity is this, is that the gospel brings together people that wouldn't normally get together. Yeah. And there's something powerful about right. when we see a human need that we can identify with, yeah. that it brings us on an equal playing field. So yeah. that's what I'd say. Yeah. In, in order to, you know, like we have to build that bridge of trust, right. In order to hold like the difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we've never shown the love to, to create the trust, we're never going to have the trust in order to support the weight of the gospel. Right. So to say, you know, not everyone who comes into our clinic is, is going to accept Christ. We don't make it a deal. We have conversations of people who want to have conversations. Um, but if we can't build trust, then no one is ever going to be in that spot to ever say like, wow, like what makes you different? And we're like, Hey, we do it because we love Jesus Mm -hmm. and Jesus compels us to serve. Right. So I guess I'll go, go last. And I think, man, Jesus ministry is, is marked by healing. You Mm -hmm. know, one of my favorite stories ever is John chapter nine, where Jesus heals the man who was born blind. Right. So Jesus meets this man and his disciples are like, Jesus, who sinned this man or his parents that he's born blind. So they're looking to blame somebody, right? So we all want to blame something for things that are happening. So Jesus walks through the process. Don't worry about that. What's is important is that God is at work. And so it's a Saturday. Jesus spits in, in the dirt, makes mud. So he's working. He's confronting the system that's in his face. The religious leaders don't like this. He's creating war on the Pharisees by working on the Sabbath. He puts mud on this guy's eyes. This guy walks further than is allowed on the Sabbath. Then he comes back to the temple, right? So he heals, he's he's healed. And so this guy is on this journey of like, okay, I don't know what happened other than that I was blind and now I can see. And so the Pharisees are, are asking this person, like, what happened? And they don't like the answer that Jesus heals him. And so then it's like, okay, like, let's go see his parents. And his parents are like, I don't know, it, it may be him. It looks like him, right? So the whole process is like, this guy is on this journey from like, he didn't even know who Jesus was mm-hmm. per se. He didn't know who healed him. But then there's this journey where he goes from like having medical healing to like having his spiritual needs met. Mm-hmm. So I think there's few other institutions other than medicine that allow for us to confront people where they are mm-hmm. in order to take them on a bridge to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And we have a chance to do that at his branches. Again, we can do that medically. We can do that socially. We can do that spiritually, um, nutritionally. So in all of the areas that are m- are hurting people the most. We have an opportunity to confront that in a way that, you know, a church can do a lot of good. I love the church. I've worked in churches for, you know, more than 10 years. 
Um, but it's kind of like we have limited opportunities and it, it, we can help spiritually, but we can't always say like, well, that piece is hurting you. So I think the medical institution, I'm not saying it's the best thing out there, but it is uniquely positioned to create an on-ramp for people to experience spiritual care. And I think that's what Jesus's ministry demonstrate. And I think that's what we try to do is, you know, we're here for this community. And when something comes up, we're going to tackle it. And then we're going to connect it to spiritual care as well. Um, in hopes that ultimately, you know, God is glorified and our community looks more like heaven than it did the day before. Wow. So hisbranches.org? Hisbranches, uh, hisbranches.org. That's right. So make sure you go check out hisbranches.org. Mike is a great uh, follow on Twitter. Um, if you like the bills, if you like good tweets, and uh, I guess I ca- occasionally I get myself in too much trouble, but <laughs> well, there you I go. try to be good. <laughs> there you go. Um, and also, too, if you, um, the best way to get connected with uh, our Why God Why podcast, sponsored by Browncroft, is to go to whygodwhypodcast.com. This is going to be shared. Make sure you reshare this, retweet this. And again, we're in this series for you to get involved. So thank you so much for joining us, and uh, hope you have a great day. 